Good morning, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get things going here today. I've got just a couple of quick announcements for you all. So if you aren't currently getting updates from us, I would encourage you to text at HB Converge to 81010, and then you'll get occasional text messages from me, usually a couple of times a week, reminding you where and when small groups are, uh, fun things that are coming up, uh, just handy reminders, important things that we need to get out there quick. That's kind of our best avenue to communicate with you. And then, um, of course, uh, you know, I, I give out my number pretty often. You're welcome to text me anytime. But then also, you can always reply to any of those text messages. And that goes to me and Dave. So, you know, if there's something you want to share with just us, we'll get that. If it's something that should be, you know, passed along to the, the rest of the class. We've gotten a, a couple of times an urgent prayer need that way and then been able to get it out to the, the class really quick. Um, so, yeah, anyway, if you aren't getting texts from us, I'd encourage you to sign up there by texting at HB Converge to 81010. Uh, the small groups are still going on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. On Tuesdays, they meet at the Sumi's house, and on Thursdays, they meet at the Velez house. And that's just an opportunity. Um, we're trying to cover a lot in 2 Corinthians right now. So it's an opportunity to kind of dive into some of the parts that we don't have time to get to in here. And then also to get together in kind of a smaller group and build some uh, some relationships and, and strengthen some bonds. You know, the, the whole doing life together part uh, that we're also striving for in here. Another thing that you can do towards the that end is the bonfire at the forests on Wednesdays. So they've had to take off the last couple of weeks. They've been uh, in and out of town. But as far as I know, this Wednesday should be back on for a bonfire. And then they do that from 7 to 11. So anytime in that time window, you can drop by, hang out with people, have some s'mores, have some good conversation. Uh, I would encourage you to do that. I'm going to jump over this one for a second. But... Um, if you aren't able to be here in, uh, for a Sunday and you want to catch up on something you missed, if you heard something you want to share with somebody else, we are intermittently able, you know, technology permitting, to record the video of these and put them up on our Facebook page. That's been a little bit hit or miss, but we have for the last several weeks, every week, uh, consistently been able to get the audio from this gathering up as a podcast. So then if there's something you wanted to check out, uh, or, or share with somebody else, that's a great way to, to catch that audio. Um, and then, yeah, here's the QR code to sign up for it, and then also uh, you know, feel free to ask for that info or, or find it on our uh, Facebook page, or I, I believe uh, Ivan's put it up on the Instagram as well. Um, we've been able to consistently, uh, for most of the summer, continue with the worship opening things up every other week. If you're interested in doing that, make sure and talk to me and I'll get you in touch with AJ or, or talk to AJ and let him know that you're interested. We'd love to get you involved. Um, one of the reasons that we're starting a little late today, as I mentioned earlier, is this week is our hospitality team Sunday. So uh, we haven't been able to do that in a little while. I'm excited that we can do that again now. Uh, that happens once a quarter and uh, this is our Sunday uh, once a quarter. So three months from now, we'll do it again. Uh, we'll pass around a sign-up sheet, and, and anybody that's interested can volunteer for that. And it's just an opportunity to greet people as they're coming into the church, to open doors, to show people around the building. You know, if uh, it, it can be a little daunting sometimes to try to figure out where Turkey is in the, as a classroom if you're new to the, the church. It's like, how do I find Africa? How do I find the Middle East? Um, so it's an opportunity for kind of a, a big building for people to find their way around fairly easily. Um, there is one more announcement. You know what, I'll go ahead and do it now, and I'll just revisit it again in a few minutes. But as I mentioned last week, on the 31st, that Saturday, we want to do like a, a kayak, canoe kind of outing. Um, and the plan is to meet up Saturday morning, and then there's a drop-off near the Sumis, and we can go uh, basically land right next to their house, you know, float down the river for an hour and a half or so, and then go to their house and eat food. So I want to be able to plan accordingly. We may end up just ha having looked into the costs for some of this, we may end up doing a little bit of like, you know, some tubes and things as well, just to kind of try to keep this free for everybody or as close to free as possible. Um, so I just want to get a show of hands 
And uh, I'll ask again when our hospitality volunteers are all here. But if you think you'd be interested in going to this, not a hard commitment right now, but if, uh, if you think you'd be down to come to this on uh, that Saturday, could you go ahead and raise your hand? Awesome. Okay. And then if you're not interested in coming out for the kayaking and tubing part, but you do want to go to the Sumi's house and eat lunch and play volleyball with people that just finished kayaking afterwards, is that something anybody would be down for? Any hands there? Okay, cool. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll ask again in a few minutes and actually count hands and, and try to <laughs> plan this out a little bit based on that as well. But just wanted to go ahead and throw this out there. Um, Jeremiah is going to be continuing our Greater Than series this week. And kind of just to get on that mindset, uh, to get those conversations going, um, I thought a good discussion for you guys to have at your table for the next few minutes um, are some of these questions. What is the most elaborate or expensive thing that you've ever done for somebody else? Is there a recent display of generosity in your life that really just stands out, big or small, just something that, you know, it could have been something huge, it could have been something that just caught you at the right time? Um, or, uh, and then also, what is something that someone else has done for you that you may never be able to repay? So I'm gonna give you guys about five minutes to talk that over, and, uh, and then we'll pick up from there. Thank you so much.
So I think now we have everybody that was helping out in hospitality back in here. So I just want to ask one more time real quick. Um, if you'd be interested in coming out to kayaking on Saturday, could you put your hand up real quick? Okay, and if you wouldn't necessarily come out to the kayaking part, but you want to join us for food after at the Sumi's, could you put your hand up real quick? Okay, great. Thank you very much. I'm going to have a sign-up sheet next week and everything. I just kind of wanted to have a little bit of a general idea of how many people I should be trying to plan for. Okay, thank you so much. Um, back to these questions. So, uh, is there anything from here that was shared at your table that you'd like to kind of share with the whole room? This is an opportunity, too, if you shared something that was really elaborate and expensive that you did for somebody else, for someone else to brag on you so you don't have to do it. So, is there anything uh, from this discussion that... Uh, Somebody wanted to share. Oh, go for it. Nice. Yep. So lots of. Uh, I need to be picked up from the airport on Friday at 3 a.m. kind of thing. Nice, nice, okay. Anybody else? Okay, well, I did hear a lot of good discussion this morning. I was like, oh, I should share one of these things. I haven't really thought about it. I put these questions together and I didn't actually think of any answers for it. So um, if nobody else has anything they want to share, I'll go ahead and, oh, yep. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, along those lines too, I know when uh, Pastor Jeff got in his car accident coming back from the men's conference that uh, Drew and everybody in, in that car went out of their way to go pick him up out of the middle of nowhere uh, in his uh, wrecked vehicle. <laughs> it's a good thing Jeff's a small guy, you know? Good time not to be riding with David Holt, you know? That's, he's like seven feet tall, but anyway. Okay, anybody else? That's awesome. It's, uh, it's rough when you're used to being pretty self-sufficient to kind of stand by and watch other people do things for you. Okay, I'll go ahead and turn things over to Jeremiah then, and he's going to get things kicked off here in the, the greater series. Thanks. Sweet. Awesome, y'all. Um, yeah, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to continue the series and uh, be able to teach a little bit. Um, I hope y'all have been enjoying the greater series. I know I have. Um, but today our main text will be 2 Corinthians 8, uh, 1 through 14, uh, as we continue. And we'll be covering like 8 and 9 because they're kind of together in the general concept of generosity, if we, as we've already been talking about. Uh, but let me pray as we jump in. Um, yeah, and then we'll go. Dear God, thank you so much uh, for your word and how it speaks to us and challenges us and is alive and active. Lord, I pray that you would speak through it. Uh, and Lord, that we would leave changed and with a, uh, just with our minds on you. And Lord, throughout this week, I, I pray that we would apply it. And God, just thank you for this group we have here, uh, college students that continue uh, to journey together during the season of life. And I pray that you 
We'll just be glorified with our time here. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I think about generosity, um, I think a lot of Christmas, I think everyone has a, a renewed spirit of generosity during that time. And it's almost Christmas in July. Does anyone celebrate Christmas in July? Awesome. How do you celebrate Christmas in July usually? There you go. Nice. I love Christmas in July. And it's actually uh, Drew's half birthday because his birthday, his birthday is on Christmas. So I don't know if you know Drew Allen, but he uh, celebrates his half birthday that day. Just fun fact. But when I think about generosity, I think of um, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. And it's a story about a man who his... Um, Life was transformed during the night before Christmas with three ghosts and everything. And he's changed from a selfish man and greedy man to a generous and joyful man. And, um, but how did he change? It was like three ghosts. He got the, the fire scared out of him. And then um, he felt really guilty because he saw in the future and Tiny Tim was going to die, right? Um, so is that like, should that be our cut and paste, like, of making people feel guilty and um, scaring them into being generous. Like, no, th this passage has a greater process to arrive there um, to Christ-like generosity. So I, th I thought it would just be fun to pull up Christmas since it's almost um, Christmas in July. But let's look at 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 14 and see um, Paul's reasoning for uh, generosity and this greater generosity as we continue this um, series. That might be a little small, so if you have your Bibles, you should turn there. Um, but let me, let me read that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 14. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the church of Macedonia. For in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in wealth of generosity on their, on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, um, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, and in knowledge, in all earnestness and our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say not as a command, but to prove by earnestness of, uh, of others that your love also is genuine. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through the rich, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now doing it as well, so that your readiness and desiring may be matched by your completing it in all, completing it out of what you have. For the readiness is there and is acceptable according to what uh, the person has, according to what the person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that a matter of fairness, your abundance at this present time should, be, should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. So there's a lot right there as we read those 14 verses. So what is Paul saying? What is the Macedonian church? We've, we've learned about the context of First, or first and Second Corinthians and some of that um, overflows, but the church that they're supporting is a church in Jerusalem that's in severe affliction for being persecuted for their faith, and um, they are extremely poor during this time. So Paul is raising an offering, and he's appealing to them generosity on their behalf. Um, I think the main point of this passage is to be Christian is to be more generous. I think that's a big idea uh, and he appeals to the church in Macedonia, who is uh, poorer than the church in Corinth. But he also appe appeals to Christ. So he appeals to someone that's below them in their means. 
but appeals to someone that is way greater than anyone, Jesus, who was rich, became poor so that we may become rich. Um, and Paul is completing this collection uh, from the church in Corinth. So a year before, if you looked in there, a year before he already started this, um, this process of collecting, um, of appealing to them, and um, of asking them, but they hadn't completed the work, hadn't actually collected the means, and they're about to do that. So he's making sure that they're going to complete it, um, but he's also um, making sure that it's in the right um, spirit of giving. And it's actually interesting, as you look in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, that their giving is actually something that had um, compelled the Macedonians to give. Uh, if you look at 9.2, it says, For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that um, Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. So their zeal to give has actually compelled the church in Macedonia, which is really interesting. Um, and now he's appealing to the church in Macedonia for the church in Corinth to give. But how, how silly would it have been if, as Paul is coming da down from Macedonia, he goes to Corinth, and the church in Macedonia had given out of their poverty, and the church in Corinth actually was like, actually, we're not going to give. We changed our mind. And like they would have had representatives from Macedonia, and that would have been very... Um, deflating and um, embarrassing for sure but I think Paul appeals to three things for the step for us the steps towards generosity and as we go off this slide I think he the steps towards generosity would be grace joy and love so I, I say to be generous we must first receive the grace of God so in verse 1 Paul says um, he's given the testimony of Macedonia and he says, the grace of God that has been given among the church of Macedonia. So this is what is leading towards generosity. So we must first receive God's grace if we are able to give out of Christ-like generosity. Um, so he appeals to Christ and the process of which we're able even to give grace. Because Jesus emptied himself and became poor so that we may be able to be rich. And to begin uh, with God's grace, the gospel first had been preached in the church of Macedonia, um, and they were being saved and being transformed because the gospel is powerful. It changes lives, uh, and people were being saved from their sin and being transformed. Um, and then in verse 1 Corinthians 8 9, it says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Uh, through this example of generosity, grace is available for sinners, uh, and the grace, um, and this grace first must be received before someone may truly be generous. This is our savior, Savior's pattern um, that we must follow. Uh, we must follow Him, and we must be made low in order to lift other people up. So we must give of ourselves in humility, just like Jesus did. So I think that's just what He's appealing to for them. I think for an application, like first. I'd reflect, like, have I received this grace of God? Have I uh, repented my sins and followed him and let Jesus uh, become the Lord of my life and receive this grace? And if not, and if you have, I'd also feel like, are we setting our minds on this grace? Have we forgotten uh, what Christ has done for us? Are we allowing it to transform uh, our lives? And it's only through the grace of God that we have community in church. So the, the reason we're all here this, today this Sunday and the church as a whole is because this grace, this great grace that we've received. So that's what we have in common, and that's what compels us to give. Um, and the simplicity of giving cannot be separated from the simplicity of receiving. So we first must receive in order to give. Uh, we have to receive God's grace in order to have Christ-like generosity, that greater generosity. Um, so yeah, if you receive God's grace and salvation, are we walking in it? Are we setting our minds on it and following after Jesus? And if so, the next step comes naturally. So the next step, I think I had uh, those verses there. I made these way too small. but um, So the next is joy. 
grace then leads to abundant joy. It's really interesting. There's kind of an equation. If you look in the verse, he says, um, For in their severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So it's like abundance of joy, extreme poverty. Like nothing plus extreme poverty would really make sense to be abundance, abundance of generosity. But with abundance of joy, it equals generosity. So this joy is so great, it overcomes their circumstances. Um, but let's look back as a reminder of this great grace that can produce this joy. If you read in Ephesians 2, you, re- you remember our previous state before grace. And it says, And you who are dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, followed the course of this world, followed the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So we were once in wrath, doomed for destruction. But verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great, of the great love in which he loved us, uh, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And by grace you've been saved, and you're raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So this great grace should produce joy. If we remember this great grace in our lives, it should, no matter what circumstance, compel us to joy. Um, how many of you all have heard of Isaac, or no, John Newton, not Isaac Newton. He wrote Amazing Grace. Have you heard his story? He was this slave trader on these boats and treated people awfully, but the Lord transformed his life. And he wrote the song Amazing Grace. But he tells of a parable of this man. So John Newton lived back in the 1700s. So he told of a man during that time who received word that he received a great inheritance of a million dollars. And a million dollars now would be like hundreds of millions of dollars. But he had to go to the big city and retrieve that his inheritance. So he got on his wagon just like 1700s people would do and was driving into town. And he's about a mile out. And... His wagon wheel breaks, goes stumbling to the ground, and he's unable to ride his horse for some reason and has to walk the last mile. But he's about to receive a million dollars, right? So what do you think he would do? Like, if I was this guy, I would just run into town, like, very excited about this millions, uh, millions of dollars. It's only a mile. But no, Isaac, or John Newton, he said that this man is moping all the way to town, wringing his hand, saying, Oh, my carriage wheel is broken. My carriage wheel is broken. I'm so upset about my carriage wheel. Like, no, that doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? You're about to receive a million dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars today. Um, but he lost sight of his inheritance and his complaints about his um, current hardship. I think that's what we do a lot of times. We forget this grace that we've received we forget about our future inheritance that God has promised us. In these few years we have that's called life, we decide to focus on that besides our great inheritance of this great grace that should compel us to have joy in any circumstances. Many times we say, my relationships are broken or life just isn't going our way and we lose sight of this inheritance. Um, I'm guilty of that so many times. Um, but First Peter 1, 3 through 5 reminds us of reminds us of this grace this great inheritance. And he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, and will not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is great news. Um, And this is a promise to the Christian of this great inheritance. It won't fade away no matter the circumstances. And God's grace is never failing. We can find joy in Jesus. And this is why 
James, in James 1, 2 says, um, we can consider, uh, we can count our joy, brothers, when we meet trials of various kinds. So I think an application of this point is that we should keep our minds on Christ and on his grace and keep an eternal perspective. Um, just like Colossians 3 says, if we've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Um, set your minds on things that are above and not on the earth. Um, so I also think another thing that can steal our joy is, is sin. Um, Psalms 51, when David is faced with his sin, he'd remember, like, I have not been living in the, my joy of my salvation. In Psalms 51, 12, he says, Restore to me uh, the joy of your salvation and uphold me in your willing spirit. Um, so I think this joy, the, the grace we've received should produce joy. We should set our minds to it. Um, and then this joy leads to loving others. Um, and then Second Corinthians 8, 5 through 8 says, And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And then verse 8 says, I say, not as a command, but to pr prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. Um, I think the first verse is very um, consistent with what John says, that we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Uh, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. The love of God and love of others is inseparable. And this grace and joy should drive us to love God and love others. Uh, we must first love God. Um, and love acts out of the interest of others. The, we, we've already been through 1 Corinthians 5.14, which says the love of Christ should compel us. Uh, because, and because of Christ's love, we should not live for ourselves, but live for him. And that's the, what should be our compelling force. Um, so as we look at how we spend our time and spend our resources, like would you say like in this past month that it would be obvious or be telling that we love others? Um, is our love striving us for generosity or is it just intentions? I think of this passage that the church in Corinth had the intention to give to the church in Jerusalem. They for a year have been collecting offerings, so they had the intention but Paul is saying, um, complete your love. Complete what you've done. Let it be genuine. Let it not just be fake of just all talk and no show. I think he's saying, um, finish what you've started. Um, but I think it's this love that possessed the Macedonian church to beg. I, I just think it's crazy. These people that are in poverty are begging Paul. Like, let us take part in this offering. Let us support our our fellow brothers. Let us give up of ourselves. Even though we're in extreme poverty, let us do this. But I think it's because of this extreme love. I think they could have made the excuse that, so Corinth is on Paul's way to Jerusalem. He's going to stop by there. Like, they're way, way more well off than we are. Like, they'll take care of them, right? I, th I think they could have made that excuse, but they didn't because they, they, they didn't want to lose out in the joy of giving. But I think of this generation or this, my age and y'all's age, like I think sometimes we may give that same um, excuse of the older generation in the church, they're the ones with all the resources. I'm a broke college student, so I'll let them take care of the church and the missionaries and community outreach um, while I, uh, one day when I get to that stage of life, I'll do that. Um, but I think that robs us of the joys of giving and loving those around us. So let's let love compel us to give of um, our finances and our resources and our time. Um, and let's keep our eyes off of ourselves. Um, um, and let our eyes be on others and let our love strive us to generosity. But let's think of practically like generosity. Um, I think of a verse, James 2.16, that 
goes well with this. It talks about seeing the needs of others around us. And, he, and James 2.16 says, um, Should we say, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled without giving them the needs of the body? Like, what good is that? Um, I think it goes consistent with completing the love that, and the intentions that we have to give. Um, so yeah, and 2 Corinthians 8.16 says, Accordingly, we urge Titus that he had started, that he should complete this act of grace. So I think this is all consistent with generosity of completing our love. But let's think of the things that us as college students can give. What is something that we have abundance of that maybe the other um, generations ahead of us don't? I think, I think we have time. Would you all agree? Like, we have a lot more time. Even though, like, we're busy in college and things like that, we have a lot of time. I think that is something that we can give up. Um, but we do, we do have some um, resources as well. I think when we think about giving, we think of the, the tithe, right? That's the 10%. Um, and I think it's, that's a really good, good start with our finances. And it's really calculable. We can see, like, we gave a 10%. But I know for me, like, I sometimes think of, like, I gave my 10%, I'm good. I don't have to give any more. I don't have to, the church will take care of benevolence and all these things. Um, but I think the, the tithe um, is a good place to start. But if you actually um, calculate the tithe in the, in the Old Testament of what, it really was. Um, I read an article this week that they had multiple tithes. And if you calculated it, they had the, the Levite tithe, the, the feast tithe, and the charity tithe. Every year besides Jubilee, it actually calculated to 23 and a third percent of their income. I'm not saying we have to follow that, but I'm just saying that if we're going based off the tithe in the Old Testament, that's what it comes out to. So I think as a church, uh, we're called to um, give um, in charity, give uh, in generosity, and be a cheerful giver. I think, uh, I have it up here. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 9, the next chapter says, At this point, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is not able to make, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So we may call giving to the church tithing just out of tradition or whatever, but I didn't challenge you to, as you think about your resources, like don't just think about that 10% and do it out of compulsion, but give out of a cheerful a cheerful heart as we think about our grace that's been given to us which leads us to joy and to love let us give out of that and as i said before about our time that we have so abundantly like see ways that we can use our time for the kingdom we can sow in an eternity invest in eternity of what we'll um we'll reap later on and some practical ways we can do that. If you're on the first service, you heard Kent talk about our nursery. We have such a need uh, in our church to fill those holes for the nursery. And I think some people in this room may be able to do that. If you have the time, like, I'd encourage you to sign up for that. Um, shameless plug right there for the nursery. Um, but I think that's a practical way to be generous with our time and our resources. Um, but I also think later on in this passage, it says give of what you have and what you don't have. Like, obviously, we can't give what we don't have. But also think of the ways like you are talented and that the talents that God's given us, like we're stewards of these. Like if we just use our talents for ourselves, that we're not reaping um, for eternity. We're, we're just sowing. Um, we're just reaping for ourselves. Or we're not sowing for, we're just sowing for ourselves. Let's sow for eternity so we'll reap um, uh, later on. 
But also think that the church in Macedonia and the church in Corinth, as they were giving, it says, give in abundance so when you're in need, so you can be given back to. And I think it's both ways. Like, we're a body, we're a church. And I think, like, this, the churches we, we wore together, these churches, they were all in this together. They had, they were under persecution. They were uh, in the fight. But I think we should look at it as, like, we're in war together. If your brother is in need, like, we're, we're going to give what we have so we can all fight together um, this, this war. And Second Timothy 2, he says, be a good soldier of the faith. I think this is being part of being a good soldier is giving um, generously so that our church can war together and we can um, fight for the kingdom. But I think just that analogy of, like, we're in the trenches. We're fighting alongside of one another. And if your brother needs something, like, why would we not give uh, abundantly to meet the needs? So we give, and, and then later on, that same brother might give back to us. So I think this is a good challenge for, for us. And thinking of generosity in this stage of life, it might be not, may not be, be what we think often, because um, we often are our, the recipients of generosity. Like we were talking about before, like Matt was very generous to me, uh, me and Noah, but I think this is a good challenge for us as we think um, about uh, our lives and think about what God's given us. We are stewards of these gifts. Uh, let's think about how we can use our time, uh, use our money, use our talents for the kingdom and not just for ourselves, but uh, for the church and for the mission of the church and for the kingdom. So I have a couple more questions that we can end out on. We're getting um, close to time. But think about uh, these steps of generosity. Like what's most difficult for you? Like the grace part. H have you received this grace? Is it hard for you to remember this grace or is it joy or love? Um, and there, Are there any circumstances in your life that are stealing your joy? Or taking your mind off the realities of grace. And which element of your life is most difficult for you to be generous? I'd say money is mine, but um, like talk that out. See, like, like process these questions. And, and is there any way this week that you can apply uh, this specific message or this specific passage of the Bible as you look at 2 Corinthians 8? So you can just talk amongst yourself. Um, and answer these questions if you'd like. I don't know if these are too deep, but yeah.
All right, guys, I hope you all have had some good discussion. Let's get in that time at the end of um, our hour. But let me just pray for us. I appreciate you all um, listening and uh, joining the discussion. But let's pray, and then you all will be dismissed. God, we thank you so much for the abundance of grace that you've given us. And God, we pray that this week that we continue to process your word and process what you're doing in our hearts and that we would act out these truths and Lord, that we be generous. Um, and God, we thank you so much for your son who was above generous and given up above himself um, to save us and that we may become rich. God, we love you. And God, thank you for this time we've had. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here today. Uh, things are a little different here anytime Dave's out. So uh, if you think about it, Dave is doing camp ministry all this week, uh, possibly speaking twice as many times as he had initially signed up to speak. So, yeah, if you think about it, make sure and say a quick prayer for Dave uh, that his ministry to these young people would be effective and that he would be uh, a, good, a good tool of, of God to drive the hearts of these young people towards him. So thank you so much for being here today. Um, feel free to continue having any conversations or discussions. You know, we're not going to kick you out in the near future, but this is uh, officially the end of our time. So uh, good to see you all today. Thank you so much, Jeremiah, for speaking today. We haven't gotten an opportunity to hear Jeremiah before, but that was great. Um, so yeah, that's I, I now have nothing to say to end this with, but thank you very much. And that's how I always end everything. But thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. Um, and yeah, so good to see you all today.